Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We are back. This is OutKick 360 across the OutKick network, live from our downtown Nashville studios, 6th and Peabody studios to be exact, with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Alongside Paul Kaharski, I am Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton. He'll be back on Monday. Well-deserved time off. No one else in the studio is getting any time off. Big weekend ahead without kick the tailgate live in Birmingham tomorrow for the kickoff of USFL football tomorrow evening. So we've got a packed house in our 6th and Peabody studios, including chairman of the board for radio, David Reed himself. Paul, they said we wouldn't make it to Friday, but guess what? We're right here. We made it. I almost asked you at the end of yesterday's show what you had planned for the weekend. Thursdays often feel like Fridays on this show. Um, so I'm glad I didn't make We've that We've been in a real up. rut the last, I feel like, two or three weeks where all of us have felt like the week was a day ahead. Yeah, I don't feel like that's a on rut. Wednesday, I feel like that's a good thing. I even made the mistake of on Wednesday, I said Thursday's lineup. That's good. I think that's good if it were accelerated. It's bad if you're, you're slowed down. If today felt like, Thursday, yeah, that'd be a bad thing. Today feels like Saturday almost. That's great. Hey, so I'm coming in today, and I hear that the Carrier Dome is no more. Uh, not that the building's gone, but that it is no longer called the Carrier Dome. It's going to be JMA, JMA Wireless, I guess the JMA Wireless Dome. The Carrier Dome has been named the Carrier Dome for so long that I don't even think of Carrier as a sponsor name. You know, it's one of those rare things that I think of Carrier as like some big Syracuse money person. Though I know in the back of my head that Carrier, I think, is like an air conditioning company. But You think because that's correct. Okay. It is, yes. So, but it, you could think, because it's been on that building for so long, that venue for so long, that it's one of these great places that doesn't even bear a sponsorship name that it bears the name of some distinguished Syracuse alum or something. I'm not into building names at all. Uh, we have in, in town, Nissan Stadium, that seems pretty likely to be permanent. But LP Field and Adelphia Coliseum before it were not. Bridgestone Arena here seems pretty permanent. If it's permanent, it, it's great. But we'll be in the Titans press room before a trip to Jacksonville. And we'll be like, what the hell is that place called anymore? And, and really, NBA and NHL arenas, uh, banking ones flip like crazy. You don't know what they are. And I don't care. I'm trying what to they think are. of the, the corporate sponsored stadiums, arenas that have, have gone through the test of time. Carrier Dome is a great example, Heinz Field is another one. That since they started, it's been Heinz Field. Um, Gillette Stadium. Gillette Stadium. No, yep. it, I mean, the bigger There's not the a company, bunch, though, the that better. immediately you know exactly yeah. because it hasn't, swa- it hasn't switched at all since the stadium started. Paul, I forget that it's a, 
HVAC company until I see the logo. Whenever you see the carrier logo, when they show carrier dome and they'll have the logo around that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the HVAC company. Because if you have one of their systems, you'll see that logo on the system. And that's that's when it pops to mind. But other than that, it's just common sports vocabulary. But here's the thing for JMA Wireless. I mean, maybe they got a great deal. Nobody is ever going to call outside of TV broadcasters, and maybe there's a logo on the building that will be shown, but you're not getting your money's worth as JMA Wireless Dome in Syracuse. People will call it the Carrier Dome in perpetuity. It's a good deal for Carrier. (laughs) Go ahead, take your name officially off it, and don't spend any money. People are going to still call it the Carrier Dome forever for the life of of the building. So you get your name on it now for free. I'd love to go behind the scenes with the sales staff that has to sell the naming rights to find out how difficult it is to follow up a carrier sponsorship that's been there for so long with someone years, else. Right? Well, More when, than that? when the when the Steelers have to go away from Heinz Field if that happens, and their contracts up and they don't renew and they go to somewhere else, well, it's got to be a lot harder. But. And you're, in exchange for it being a lot harder, you've, you go to had that, you've had that great 30 years uh, of, of run, and you'll take that because some of these other cities, Jacksonville's changed it four times or whatever. And then when you're changing it four times, and each time it's some five-letter bank name that's not even a, you know, it, it's not a word. T-I-A-A Bank Field, right? R- that's what it is right. now in Jacksonville? Is that the latest? M&T Bank, is that Baltimore? That's I mean, Baltimore. if you gave M&T me a Bank quiz, if you gave me a quiz, I would fail it miserably. And I think most Americans would. You I think if I saw NFL the name, team. I would I would probably get all of them. But if I'm asking but you But if to you give told it, me the team, you could Like right now I'm thinking about is it Invesco Field at Mile High? Is that Denver's? Not That's anymore. one that I'm just trying to think of a team that I I can't immediately say the name of the stadium. Denver, I think, has had trouble replacing. Uh, now, it was Sports Authority. It was Sports Authority, but it changed. I, I don't know that it's... Was Invesco Field before that? Maybe. It's, it's an interesting debate. Uh, Paul, we've talked a lot about the Colts this offseason. Stefan Gilmore, as of today, signs with the Colts two years, $23 million. This is another addition to a secondary that added Rodney McLeod yesterday from the Eagles. And don't underestimate him. Well, we interviewed him in L.A. Yeah, he's great. Super Bowl, a great interview, a Virginia guy. And um, that's some – look, the Colts, roster's in pretty good shape when you look top to bottom at what they have saw, and what they've added. I saw somebody tweet out uh, after Stephon Gilmore, how, how long will it take Vegas to flip the Colts to, to the division favorite, a typical Titans attitude. Yeah. Uh, but these are good additions for the Colts who are lacking in the secondary. Also puts them in position to not be absolutely desperate to, to address defensive backfield, you know, first thing in the draft. They need receivers and DBs are, are their two biggest things. And, uh, and, and I'm not sure about offensive line, but I think they need some help there. Um, but I think uh, a little bit similar to the Titans as they add that they're not, uh, you know, desperate outside of a couple spots that they you know surely need to address somewhere in the draft but they don't go in like uh i absolutely have to have x uh early and they don't have a first round pick so um look i think stefan gilmore is not what he used to be but he was nfl defensive player of the year in 2019 which isn't that long ago i think 2019 
Um, He's a good player. McLeod's a good player. This, these are definite upgrades for the Colts who are moving the right direction on the defensive side of the ball. New coordinator now. Uh, I don't know who it is off the top of my head. Eberflus went to, to Chicago. Uh, and I should know who it is off the top of my head. I think it's somebody pretty prominent. Uh, that'll take me a second to find. But shifting, shifting things going on with the Colts, and I think uh, moves, if you're a fan of another team in the division, you're not particularly happy to see being made. And the Colts are not particularly active um, in free agency, generally speaking. Uh, so so Gilmore... Yeah, that's a pretty big name for them to be bringing in. Big Friday show for you today. Trey Wallace coming up in about 12 minutes to talk SEC. Trey Wallace, SEC college football, college sports writer for OutKick. Colts defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. That's, that's it. a pretty that's, big. That's a known name, former head coach. Uh, 4 p.m., Brent Hubbs will join us. That's Central Time to talk Vols with VolQuest.com. Trevor Sykema, first appearance on the show. He's with Pro Football Focus He's going to talk NFL Draft with us coming up 520 Eastern, 420 Central. Looking forward to that conversation. And I mentioned Outkick the Tailgate tomorrow, live from Protective Stadium in Birmingham, getting you ready for USFL kickoff between Birmingham and New Jersey. I'll be with Jill Savage, 3.30 to 5.30 Central, 4.30 to 6.30 Eastern time tomorrow evening at the stadium. You guys are going to be able to parade around and have free reign of uh, of. Not just the stadium, but Birmingham. Absolutely. Well, so later in the show, Paul, I want to talk about this with you because we're going to have very different perspectives on this. This is very much a made-for-television conceptual league in terms of some of the innovations that are going to be there from a production standpoint. You'll get a chance to watch that live. I'm going to get a chance to see the operation up close uh, in Birmingham. So on Monday, we're going to have a very different perspective We'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, though, I want to talk a little bit of baseball, but from a slightly different perspective. We've talked about the issues surrounding Major League Baseball and the lack of competition with certain clubs and the inability to compete for certain clubs. And we've seen teams rise up in in smaller markets, mid-markets with small payrolls and do some big things. So it is possible. But what's also possible is... The response that Phil Castellini, who is the president of the Cincinnati Reds, the response he had to an interview and a question he received on 700 WLW in Cincinnati. We're going to let you hear the question and response. Again, this is from the son of the owner of the Cincinnati Reds, Phil Castellini. This was the question and answer, and it's going to spark a conversation for us. Here it is, courtesy of 700 WLW. Asked you about the quote, show little faith in us, right? Yeah. And I, I saw you got right to the Colts. So you, you have people who say, look, uh, faith has earned 15 years of ownership. They haven't won to the extent that we would like. And so you had my faith, but you've lost it. Why should that fan maintain trust in you? Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, sell but the team to who? I mean, well, that's the other thing. I mean, you want to have this debate? You know, if, if you want to look at what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, make more money, compete more in the current economic system that this game exists, mm-hmm. it would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else. Yeah. And so be careful what you ask for. You know, I think we're doing the best we can do with the resources well, that we I, have. I, I, we're no more pleased yeah. with the results than the right. fans. I'm not sitting here saying anybody should be. I'm not polishing any trophies in the office <laughs> yeah. right now, and that's what we're here to do. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is, and, and I do think we've had to shift the discipline. We've tried a lot of things that didn't work, uh, and they came this close to working and didn't. Uh, nobody's got to right. tell me it you didn't work. It. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So 
That was Phil Castellini asked the question about why fans should have any faith in them competing. Now, this comes in light of them trading away, getting rid of their best players after the new agreement with with Major League Baseball, basically admitting we're cash-strapped and uh, we can't pay these guys, so we're going to field a less competitive team. Paul, what would you make of the comments? I mean, I appreciate the candor. Um, I do. And, I mean, it's good for us and America to get kind of that frame on the difficulties. If you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, it absolutely sucks. And it sounds threatening. And I, A, don't want a bad baseball team to root for it. B, I don't want this ominous threat hanging over me that it's, hey, take your bad baseball or the alternative is no baseball at all. Uh, I would I would respond to him and say, uh, yeah, you, you've tried some things you're telling me. Well, uh, do better. Tampa Bay is in a worse situation than you are. Tampa Bay doesn't have a lovely, great American ballpark. There's a stadium name I can remember. Um, and uh, Tampa Bay it, it plays in a bleep hole. Um, and Tampa Bay's going to move. Tampa Bay turns its, um, its roster over regularly. They may move, but they win. That's they, fine, they find but they're, they're, they're going to move. And look, I mean, I heard the sound of the guy's voice saying, we can't sell it. Find, I mean, I, that sounded like a group that tried to sell and couldn't do it. That's what it sounded like to me. That's how bad off they are financially with the current model in Major League Baseball. That, that's not good news for the sport. I, I don't know. I would think you can find a buyer because we've talked, NFL teams' values skyrocket. Um, I'll have to go look at the most recent Well, the NFL forms. is not Major League I, Baseball. I understand, but pro sports teams' values grow. They grow, even if you're not competitive and whatever. Well, it's a, I, I it's think, a good holding to have. Paul, I think when you bring up Tampa Bay, that's a terrible example for this reason. Yes, they win, but even when they win, people don't go, and they have a dump of a stadium, and they can't get a deal done for a new stadium. So if you're the Reds and you're watching that, you're, te- you're saying to yourself, doesn't even matter if we win because we still might be in a bad spot. So we have to do this to make the finances work. I mean, it, whether they're positioning it for a sell to show that they're profitable, I, I don't know. Well, let's go to Minnesota. But, Minnesota just signed Carlos Correa. How are they finding a way to spend money? They've got a newer ballpark, but Cincinnati's ballpark is good. They're in a comparable size market, I would say. They've got less... History, but probably of similar. Well, I don't know the ownership situation in Minnesota. Base. If they have as much money, or or what other things they own, or what their backing is, that that could have something to do with it. I, I just think that yes, it was dumb of him to say, and he's since backtracked and apologized for it. But when your first response to that question is, "Well, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go?" Because the first thing that's going to happen if we sell the team is they're going to move the team because there are better spots to go that would be more profitable. That's not a great sign. No. And that, that is a, you're right, that is a banner, historic organization in Major League Baseball. The very first, their first pro baseball team, the Cincinnati Red Stockings or whatever it was back in the day when, the, when they started. I mean, that's, that really jumped out to me when I heard it. I, I, I understand what you're saying about the Rays in terms of their situation and everything. But in terms, uh, in, in terms of their financial stability and their roots in Tampa Bay, that's a bad example. But in terms of finding ways to win, they are the example. 
And I don't want to hear – I understand it's really hard in Cincinnati. I understand I'm a fan of a team that has it the easiest and that there are haves and have-nots. But Oakland consistently finds a way to compete, and they also have a terrible situation like the Rays. Oakland and the Rays have the two worst situations. But guess what Oakland the did? Two the two worst moment, stadium The things. moment this was done, there were two teams. They sold off. That sold off immediately, and Oakland was one of them. Matt Olson is an Atlanta Brave right now because the A's basically had a fire sale when this new agreement came out. So that's not good news for them long term either. I mean, you're right. They, they, well, Oakland they and the Rays way to, find to, ways they to bring better. up young players yep. that are turn into commodities that they then trade for more young players. The roster churn is ridiculous, but they do compete with the rosters that they have in a way that Cincinnati doesn't seem to be able to do and hasn't figured out. Excited about this Friday show we have coming your way. Trey Wallace from OutKick. He's going to join us coming up. We're going to talk SEC, SEC East particularly. Trey's got a story up at OutKick.com about the SEC East and projected win totals. We'll talk about that and other headlines across the conference. That's coming up. This is OutKick 360 on the OutKick Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, OutKick 360 on the OutKick Network, live from our 6th and Peabody Studios downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Kuharski is here. Jonathan Hunt will be back on Monday. The whole crew, a cast of thousands in our 6th and Peabody Studios today as well. Getting you set for the weekend and getting you set for, well, just about everything happening in the South right now is Trey Wallace of OutKick.com. He's in Bristol currently getting ready for the dirt race in Bristol. And he covers all things college sports, SEC, NASCAR. He's a man who wears many hats at OutKick.com, and he is with us now. Trey, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I, I literally, you know, five minutes before we go on air, I, I made it right into to the Bristol area. So I was, uh, I was rolling down the interstate. No tickets. But if you were coming up here, Please be careful. There are state troopers all over the road waiting to give you and uh, speed tickets and take your money. Have you been to that part of like the downtown Bristol where one part of the sidewalk is Tennessee, the other side is Virginia yet? I've always it's, seen that. Every time I see anything in Bristol, I've never actually been to downtown Bristol to take part in that. But, it, you know, it, I, I'm intrigued by it, Trey. It's neat, actually. It really is. Uh, there, there's something special about it being in one state one foot and putting the other in another state. Uh, it, it's actually pretty cool. And there, there's so many things to do uh, up, up here in this area, um, you know, just downtown and, and walking around and seeing the different things. And there's a casino that's going to be built in this area in the next couple of years, um, according to reports. And, you know, just a lot of growth. And, it, and it's really cool. And it seems like everybody uh, is converging on Bristol for uh, Easter weekend dirt racing. So uh, it, it should be fun for the NASCAR series. Yeah, looking forward to your coverage with that, outkick.com, to read the latest with everything Trey's got going on in Bristol. But, Trey, I want to get into some football with you, specifically SEC East. You've got a piece up at Outkick right now with projected win totals 
in Vegas for SEC East teams. So this will kind of be a good post-spring recap for some of these teams as we go down the list and talk about what you think. Now, we're not here to second-guess Vegas. We know they know better than us when it, when it comes to the number. But just your early thoughts on over-under, we'll start with Georgia at 11 and a half. Um, obviously, Trey, this is a very a Georgia team that loses a lot, but also gets a lot back because of the way they've been recruiting. I mean, I, I like the offense, you know, with Brock Bowers, got Lab McConkey coming back. Um, I, I like what they've done on the offensive line. It, it shows you how much depth they have, Chad, if they can let Amarius Mims walk uh, or even Clay Webb. Um, so they, they've got players back on the line of scrimmage. I, I'm very interested to see what they do, you know, with the running backs next year. Uh, you lose Cook, you lose White, you lose in production. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett, though, it, it sounds like after Kirby Smart threw down that challenge to him in the first week of spring that he, that he really took on that role over the last four weeks and, and you know, becoming that leader that George is going to need next season. Uh, 11, you're, replacing, you're replacing a lot on defense. So 11 and a half wins, you know, pretty much you're saying you, you got to win 12. Um, I, I think that it feels like the right number. But there's also that time and that something in the back of your head that thinks maybe Georgia slips up next year. Is is Tennessee maybe good enough? You know, is Kentucky maybe good enough to throw a wrench into things? Not saying they're going to beat them, but I'm just saying, you know, to make things interesting next season. And, you know, I, I look at Georgia and I think this is a team that can repeat as national champions. Um, but I am interested to see how long of a leash they give Stetson Bennett this year uh, just because they have so much talent behind him. And, and, and I think he's earned the right to be the starter. But, you know, if, if noise starts coming out, you know, we saw it last year. You know, JT Daniels, he never returned. Could something like that happen with Stetson? Who, who knows? But 11 and a half wins, it's kind of pushing it for me uh, just because I feel like there could be an upset or two on the dogs next year. Well, Trey, looking at Tennessee, Vegas thinks a lot higher of Tennessee than, say, ESPN's FPI does uh, with Tennessee. Eight and a half wins over and under. Uh, this is one I would, I would hammer the under because it feels like, to me, Tennessee is an eight and four type team. Good team, well, yeah. not great, still with some deficiencies. What do you think of that eight and a half number, though? That, that's a big number for Tennessee and one that should get Vols fans excited. Well, yeah, and you're, you're pretty much saying nine. Like Vegas is saying, okay, if you're going to take it, you can take nine. Um, I, I, I think that offensively, you know, this this group, I don't know if they take really a big step back. Um, you know, you lose production with Velas and Javante Payton, but Jalen Hyatt's had a good spring. Um, you look at what Cedric Tillman can do and be a deep threat. You've got Squirrel White you could throw in there in the slot. Can you throw in Walker Merrill? Do you put Jalen Hyatt at that spot? And, the, and a big one we're leaving out. Brew McCoy, is he on campus in the next month? The USC transfer, who you could easily slide to the outside and put Jalen Hyatt right there on the inside at slot. So I look at the offense, and, and I think, you know, can Jalen Wright, can Jabari Small both stay healthy? And I think it's it's big for Justin Williams, Thomas, as we'll call him now, to see if he gets some role next year too, playing time, along with Laneith Whitehead. So I think they've got some running backs. I think they've got the receivers – the offensive line, you know, can guys like Cooper Mays stay healthy? Um, you know, can if not, Jerome Carvin's got to slide over. But the biggest thing that stands out to me with Tennessee 
and I feel you. I'm liking the the eight, kind of the under right there, is that defense. Because you look at that linebacking squad too, Chad, they're still hurting, man. I mean, e- even with Jawan Mitchell coming back this year, can he stay healthy? Um, you've got Jeremy Banks, Aaron Beasley, Solomon Page, Aaron Willis. And then you had pretty much the whole secondary that was out during spring, which is that's fine. Get cleaned up, get healthy, rehab, do what you have to do to be ready for fall. But, you know, a lot of question marks on defense, kind of the same thing as we thought last year, Chad, where, okay, the offense is, is spurting, is doing good with Hendon. What does the defense look like, and can they get some productivity out of that defensive line and get pressure, you know, with Byron Young or Tyler Barron? So a lot. I'm not going to go through every team in the SEC, Trey, uh, yeah. and I'll be completely honest because I don't find South Carolina and Missouri all that interesting right now. Uh, Spencer Rattler's interesting with South Carolina, but six and five over under win total it sounds about right for them. So I'll skip right past that. And I want to ask yeah. you about a comparison between Kentucky and Florida. You got Kentucky over under at eight, Florida over under at seven right now. What exactly does Billy Napier have in year one at Florida? And what do you think about this continued evolution of Kentucky football, Trey, where they're a perennial eight, eight and a half, nine win type team for Vegas year in and year out in the SEC. It's great job by Stoops. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched Florida spring game last night. You're not going to learn a lot from that. Um, but I thought, you know, Anthony Richardson had some nice zip on the football. Whatever. This is a football team that's probably going to add a lot of players in the transfer portal over the next month. This roster, I think, will look different, a lot different come fall camp. And and that could be guys on the field. They are lacking depth. But you look at some of the pieces that they do have on offense, some of the pieces that they do have at linebacker. You know, Billy Napier didn't just walk in and inherit a mess like Josh Heupel did. I think that's a good maybe – a pretty decent comparison. Different reasons, but a, a decent comparison. But I do think that what Billy Napier is going to do in the transfer portal is going to be key into how Florida has success. And I define success as seven wins in the first year compared to what it could be if they don't add some key contributors. So, you know, Florida, they've got their work cut out for them. I think Billy Napier can do it. It's going to take a little time, but I think he can do it. But it's all about how they attack over the next month. And then you look at Kentucky. Hey, Trey, quick on Florida. What's interesting to me yeah. about that, you know, you said seven wins would be successful in year one. I don't think Florida fans will ever buy that. I think Tennessee fans have experienced so much disappointment to where seven wins a year ago was a huge triumph in year one for Josh Heupel. I just don't think Florida fans are there quite yet to where they're going to see anything less than eight or nine wins as successful even in year one of a new coach. Maybe I'm wrong. You may be saying that from, from the outside covering them, but I think Florida fans will be very disappointed with seven wins. I mean, they might, might they, they need to get ready to be pissed off next year <laughs> because I, 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 I can't it, – it's hard for me to find nine wins on that schedule, Chad. Right. Um, I'm with you. You know, and, and that's the big thing. And, and I look, I understand Florida fans are not going to be satisfied with seven wins. I get it. But you better have some expectations of where this program was when Dan Mullen left it compared to where it is right now with Billy Napier and what he's trying to do to rebuild. Like he's building his coaching staff. Okay. He is going to build from the transfer portal and add players to this team, you know, that, that, that does have some returning guys that can help, but I think it's, it's going to take a minute. Like Tennessee fans hate that word patience. Okay. 
Florida fans, you're going to have to learn that word this year because it's not like you're going to come out of the gates and win nine to ten games next year. I just don't see it on the schedule. That's not a knock. That's just reality of what your program looks like right now that Dan Mullen left. So, And so what about what about Kentucky? So I, I cut you off there when you were going to the Wildcats. No, you're good. No, Kentucky, I like Kentucky. I like Will Levis. I like Chris Rodriguez. We talked about it a lot last year about Chris Rodriguez at running back. I, I think when Will Levis was talking the other day, he said a key was, you know what, we got to get Chris Rodriguez more involved in the passing game. And I completely agree. Get him out of the backfield. Let him make plays with his feet. I think what they're going to be missing and how some key players are going to have to step up is, is losing Wondell Robinson. And I think we can all agree that's going to be tough to replace. But if you can find the yards, if you can find the touchdowns from two or three guys to try to make up for it, then that's fine. I think they got a good offensive line. I think that running back-wise, they're going to be good behind Chris Rodriguez when it comes to stability and depth. I think defense is something that stands out to me with, with what Mark Stoops has for this season. I'm not worried about, you know, uh, Liam Cohen leaving, you know, in this offense. I think this offense kind of just picks right back up with Rich uh, Skaganoga. And I'm going to screw that up. Paul's probably going to know that better than me. I'm always going to mess up that last name. But when you, when you look at what Kentucky has done – Last season, I mean, they went on that three-game losing streak where they lost to Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and they still won 10 games. So I I just – I like what Stoops is doing up there. Um, I I don't know if they're going to reach that mark this season, but it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and surprised some folks um, and gave a couple games this year that maybe they gave away last year. Get a couple – you know, that Tennessee game. I don't know if Kentucky really should have lost that. They screwed up so bad defensively. Tennessee played good, don't get me wrong, but Tennessee's defense was bad. Then they go to Mississippi State, and they lose that game. So I'm just saying maybe Kentucky can get back one or two losses from last year they shouldn't have lost, and we'll see what happens with their team. I like their over-under. One more I want to ask you about, Vanderbilt. Vegas hates the Commodores, clearly. Two is the over-under. Two, they would need to beat Elon – Northern Illinois and Hawaii to get to three. So if you like Vandy, an SEC team beating those three teams and not winning a single conference game, you're going to hit the over in that. I, I don't think Vandy's any good, but Trey, I'm, I'm putting a sizable amount on the fact that they can cover two and go over that number this year. Dude, Chad, they should beat Hawaii. They should beat Elon. That gets them to the two wins. Okay. And then you look how the rest of it plays off. Can 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 Vanderbilt upset somebody else? You know, can Vanderbilt? You know, um, I'm forgetting who that third opponent was right now. In Northern the Illinois. Northern Illinois. Can't, but but that game is at NIU, which is interesting. Uh, can they? You don't roll into the cab Illinois and just roll out of there with a victory, Trey. We've seen that oh, time Vanderbilt, time again Vanderbilt does in the MAC. That, that's that's a tough place to go, tough spot. Look, the, the Huskies are representing the MAC. Okay, Let, let's get that right. I just it it it's weird to me to say Vanderbilt can't win more than two games, like four or five. Okay, but it's just when Vegas set that at two, I was like, okay. God bless. Like they can, they can at least get the three. Like, come on, what are we doing here? And, and I think quarterback wise, with Ken Seals, Mike Wright, 
They brought in three different quarterbacks in the offseason from high school. You know, can you get something going enough to, to produce on offense? I do, I think. So I'm taking Vanderbilt. I already took Vanderbilt to win three games next year because that number is just so astonishing to me. And the lack of, uh, I don't know, the, the lack of motivation they have in the Commodores kind of stands out. But when you see that number two, you know, by a team in the Southeastern Conference, you think, man, it's got to be pretty bad on campus for that to be the case. Trey Wallace, Outkicks SEC columnist with us. Uh, SEC teams in ESPN's FPI preseason top 25 rankings. Alabama 1, Georgia 2 make perfect sense. Auburn 10, LSU 11. Uh, that does not make perfect sense. Uh, oh, your, no. your, your thoughts on those two, your thoughts. Uh, so I'll, I'll fill it out. Texas A&M is 14, Ole Miss 17, Kentucky, Kentucky 20, Mississippi State 24, Florida 25. Let's talk LS, uh, Auburn 10, LSU first. How do you put Auburn in the top 10 of anything after what has gone on in the last six months and after what they did last year? Like, did Auburn somehow take a miracle pill and now they've got this, this great football team? Like, what am I missing here? This is the same football team that struggled a quarterback. Tank Bigsby was hurt at times last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. The defense was playing bad. Um, and, I look, I, I get the Iron Bowl game and all that type of stuff, but there were performances last year from Auburn where you look at this win total and you just kind of shake your head. I have no idea what they were thinking at 10. You know, Zach Calzada – He's not coming in. He's going to be some miracle worker on the plains, you know, and 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 that's going to be a battle with Robbie Ashford and T.J. Finley to start, you know, who's the starting quarterback. But I don't buy it, and 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 I'll be honest with you, Paul. Like I look at these metrics and Chad of how they come up with this football power index, and you know, a lot of it to me is guesswork, um, and I have no idea what they're guessing about when it comes to Auburn because that does not feel like a team that is anywhere near and should be near 10. Two, uh, two teams they don't guess in, Arkansas clearly on the upswing, and, yes. and Tennessee, I understand their questions there, but, I mean, if Auburn and LSU are in there, a, a Hendon Hooker-led Tennessee, you would think Florida's in there. You would, you would think Tennessee, there'd be room for Tennessee. Well, I think the biggest thing, Paul, is why is K.J. Jefferson, who I personally feel like could be one of the, the – better quarterbacks in the SEC West next season. Why is his team not in there? I, mean, I know they had to get rid of Traylon Burks, and that's fine, but they added Jaden Hazelwood from, from Oklahoma. They've got a good defense. Um, running back, they're going to be fine. It didn't make sense to me. What are we doing here? K.J. Jefferson, look at his passing percentage last year. Look at him as a quarterback. And Ken, when Kendall Browse is his O.C., um, you know, it, it, some of it doesn't make sense. Maybe some of it is for controversy and, and conversation, but – I feel like if there's anybody from the West besides Alabama, um, Ole Miss, I feel like Arkansas should be up there right now because we don't know what LSU has right now. I mean, we know what the talent they have coming back from last year, but we don't know how this first year is going to go underneath Brian Kelly. So I don't know. I think it's a slap in the face to Sam Pittman, but I'm sure he could care less what ESPN is projecting for his win total. Trey, of all the issues in America that could divide the old and the young, and there are many of them, one of the top ones is changing a college football game from a Saturday to a Thursday. 
Because I feel like young people love it. It's more eyeballs on their team if they're a fan of that team. They love going somewhere for a Thursday night and watching a game as opposed to a Saturday. And I feel like older people who have gone to games for years that work all week, obviously, too, they want Saturdays for college football. And how dare you move a Saturday game to a Thursday night, even if it's doing so to get more eyeballs on your program. This is the dilemma now with Tennessee, who made the decision for a second straight year to move a Saturday opener to a Thursday night, this time against Ball State for the upcoming season. I mean, by the way, well done to Josh Heupel to get this done, to have the same amount of time off as Pittsburgh, who was also going to play in the backyard brawl that night against West Virginia to open their season. So that's smart. Um, Look, I mean, you want to be on prime time. You want to have your new renovation shown in the stadium. You want to highlight that to recruits. There's going to be a lot of recruits that aren't going to be able to come in for that Thursday night game because they're playing on Friday night. Tennessee understands that. They, they get that. Florida will be their big recruiting weekend, you know, in, in the month of September. But I still – a part of me is like, okay, you're doing this on Thursday night. You're kind of getting at the fans again for two years in a row, the ones that can't make it. I mean, this is not going to be a sellout. I think we can all agree on that. It's not going to be a sellout on a Thursday night against Ball State. And then you look at the fact that Missouri was like, well, hey, we want to get in on the Thursday night party as well, so what can you do for us, SEC? And the SEC is like, okay, well, you're playing Louisiana Tech. Nobody really cares about you right now. We're going to throw you on ESPNU. So, I mean, if this is the game that they want to play and they want to put themselves up on a, on a Thursday night to get all eyes from the SEC network, Hey, I, I say have at it, but I do understand the frustration from some of the season ticket holders that maybe can't drive in the three to four hours or however from. Heck, I got a family member that drives seven and a half hours for games. He ain't coming up on a Thursday. A lot of so, people are driving from Memphis. That's a good six and a half, seven hours in driving. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I get the frustration. I, I totally do. And But I look at it in the sense of, Okay, you're trying to show off your program. You want to do it at night. You want to do it with the fireworks, the way everything looked against Ole Miss last year and all that type of stuff or the opening game. You know, you're either doing that on a Thursday or you're going to be playing at noon on a Saturday on SEC Network Plus against Ball State. So Tennessee decided to go with national primetime. And you know what? I don't blame them. You'll get more eyes from, from the television part of it but you're still going to have the agitated season ticket holders who I also don't blame for being upset. Trey Wallace, read all of his work, outkick.com. He's in Bristol for the dirt race this weekend. Looking forward to that coverage and does a great job covering the SEC and all of college sports as well. Trey, thanks thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy the launch of the USFL and uh, look forward to y'all's coverage on that. And we'll have stuff from Bristol. Thank you. Trey Wallace, one of the very best. The backdrop in his hotel room didn't look quite as nice as some of the bigger locales he goes to to cover sporting events, I noticed. Not that it was bad, but I could just tell by the little bit I saw from the wall that it was a little bit more chain than maybe he's accustomed to with his travel. Maybe he'll be staying at a Ritz-Carlton in future years. Paul, I have what I would term a very strong television show recommendation when we come back. I will accept this recommendation. uh, I've not... Spent any time talking about to you guys. I don't know that anyone here knows that I watched this show. And I just completed the show. And it's uh, I got a very strong recommendation. I'll let you know what it is when we come back. This is Outkick 360 
on the Outkick Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So I love all forms of entertainment. That's how we'll open this segment. Paul, you know that. You, Everyone in the studio I, knows that. And you often offer excellent I, recommendations. I love, I love music. I love movies. I love television. I love books sometimes. Not, not as big of a reader as I probably should be. But there is a show that I don't feel like is getting near enough play right now. And Paul, this is what happens with everything now in media, especially with all the streaming services and the, the availability of all these new shows. And there are a lot of good ones out there. But so many things get lost in the shuffle. And I think this one is starting to get some play and discussion, but needs more. I highly recommend Severance on Apple TV+. It is you have talked about it with very, me. very well done. I think I talked to you about it after the first couple of episodes. I just completed season one. It is renewed for a second season. Adam Scott is terrific. Uh, John Turturro. He's a great He's actor, great in isn't everything. it? He's highly... Christopher Walken is in this thing. Patricia, Patricia Arquette. Really, really good cast. Highly recommend. And Paul, this is where I'm going to lose you on this, and I know I'm going to lose you when I mention the show. I feel like whoever created this show was a big fan of Lost. There are some Lost elements to this show. It is definitely science fiction as you get going with it. But it is very good, and it is a mystery box type show that I think if you can – Better Call Saul is a show we talked about that was a slow burn, a lot like Breaking Bad. If you could get through the first half of the first season, it started to pick up. This show's similar. The first couple episodes, you're, every episode's going to leave you with a cliffhanger where you're going to want more and to find out more about what's going on. But it's very deliberately slow at times and kind of picks up in the last two or three episodes. I highly recommend well, slowness in TV now, like I read a piece in the New Yorker the other day about Better Call Saul, which is about to come back. There's a lot of stuff being written about Better Call Saul as, it, as it's about to start its final season. And this guy wrote... Well, Walt, Walt and Jesse are back, by the way, for those who haven't seen it. It's everywhere. But the creators announced, they were asked, they said, you know, we'll go ahead and say it. Yeah, they're a part of the final season. They're going to be in it in some this way. This guy wrote about how he found himself fast-forwarding uh, at times, are watching at one and a half s- times speed during some of Better Call Saul where it got really slow. I think Breaking Bad um, trained us for that. And I-, I'm again, I-, I give up on a lot of stuff that's slow at the beginning still, but I think Breaking Bad trained us for a certain kind of TV where if you stick with the slow stuff, which is really well done slow stuff, there's a massive payoff at, at the end. And that sounds like a little bit of what you're going. You well, generally steer me you, right, and you know my taste. No, you would like so this. So I'm going to give this a full go. You, you would like this. I, I definitely I, I recommend to almost anyone, but definitely to you. I think you'd really like this show. I don't understand how if you watch Breaking Bad, you would stop watching Better Call Saul or fast forward through it. Because if you had the background of having watched that, I, you would know. I mean, you would know that there's going to be a payoff to it. I'd understand if you just watched it cold and thought, boy, there's way too much legal ease in this show. 
Right. That'd be my one complaint about early uh, Better Call Saul was there's a lot of document review, I feel like. It's a big part right. of the show. And there were a couple a episodes that were very much about document tampering. But that's, that, to me, is what makes it so incredible. They made cliffhanger TV about uh, tinkering with documents. That, that, that's a tribute to how good they are. So Better Call Saul is back next Sunday, a week from Sunday, with two episodes, two hours. They're going to do what they've been doing with a lot of shows that we watch, Paul, where they're going to split it up. It's seven episodes and seven episodes. Seven so you're like, only going to get... Let's make eight the number, well, at least eight. With this destination viewing Sunday night type experience coming back with Better Call Saul, you only get six weeks of it. So there's going to be six weeks because two episodes the first week. More, I want and more. And then they're going to take a break and come back in the fall with the final seven episodes of the show. Ozark is doing this. Uh, Stranger Things final season. Ozark will be comes seven back and seven. relatively quickly. When's that? It comes back, I believe, the same weekend as Better Call Saul. That's there's good. a lot there of hasn't been enough on my DVR. Well, Barry's another show I watch on HBO that's coming back. I think the same night as Better Call Saul. Yeah, I did not get into. So Barry. a lot of Sunday night shows are coming back all at once, which makes me excited. But again, I, I'm excited. Severance. And I'll check out Severance. We, we're due for a new TV show. Hopefully, I, will be I in highly too. recommend. Uh, I don't highly recommend what's going on with a Dallas Cowboys player right now. We'll tell you a very unfortunate story when we come back. This is Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network.